Good morning, everyone. This morning we were in Exodus 18. Imagine this big, huge mass of people coming out into the desert with very little organization. They have God with them. They have Moses as their leader. But there's really very little structure, uh, laws, systems, organization to a very large group of people. And they've been in the desert a while now. God's about to give them the law and give them some rules to govern by. And they're about to get some structure. But at this point, Moses is really taking the lead and handling everything on his own. And his father-in-law and his wife and kids come to see him. And, you know, what a glorious reunion this was after all that God has done. Imagine the conversations of Moses and and his father-in-law Jethro. He had heard Jethro, you know, about some of the amazing things that God was doing for Moses and Israel, but now he's hearing it firsthand. Uh, what what a tremendous reunion, and, and Jethro was uh, very, very impressed. I'm going to pick it up here in verse 10. So Jethro blessed, said, Blessed be the Lord who delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of Pharaoh, and who delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. The glory of God was revealed through all that you have done. It's interesting, in, in verse 12, uh, Jethro wants to not only have a meal with Moses, but make make a sacrifice, an offering, and praise to God for how he has delivered them. And, you know, that's that's the, the way to honor God was to do that. They celebrated, they made sacrifices in honor of God, and uh, they celebrated victory. And we, we've talked about that recently in this podcast, that it, it, it seems like God's people in the Old Testament knew how to celebrate God's blessing in their lives. And they, they ate meals and enjoyed um, singing and discussing the favor of God in their lives. It's a great thing. So picking it up in verse 13 to get to some really great counsel that Moses gets. And it came about the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood about Moses from morning until evening. So Moses is sitting there judging complaints and problems with the people all day long. Now, when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge and all the people stand about you morning until evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God, but they but when they have a dispute, it comes to me, and I judge between a man and his neighbor and make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses is like, I don't have anybody else to do this, and I, I'm the one that, that's deciding everything. I'm the one that's hearing every complaint, and I'm the one that you know is giving them the counsel. And Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you were doing is not good. <laughs> I, I really love the uh, relationship here. Um, there seems to be a great deal of respect between Moses' father-in-law and Moses. Um, and what a great thing, you know, Lord willing, we can have good relationships with our parents and our father-in-laws and mother-in-laws. And Lord willing, they have wisdom and can give us advice. And, you know, as a result of their good relationship, which has been evidenced in this story, if you read the first you know, 16 verses, 
you saw that Moses like bowed down when he when he saw Jethro. He came out to meet him. He he brought him into the tent and they they discussed the things that God had been doing and they celebrated together. They just they had a good relationship. Um, I know that's not going to always be the case, but it's a blessing when there's men of God and wisdom present and they can bless and benefit each other in their relationship. What a great thing. But Jethro says to Moses, you will surely wear out both yourself and these people who are with you, for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. What great advice. Now listen to me. Jethro's really got some clear thinking here in providing this advice to Moses. I will give you counsel, and God be with you. You be the people's representative before God, and you bring the disputes to God. Then teach them the statutes and the laws, and make known to them the way in which they are to walk and the work they are to do. Furthermore, you shall select of all the people able men who fear God. What a great thing. Able men who fear God. Men of truth. Hallelujah. Those who hate dishonest gain. Pick really good, honorable people. And you shall place these over them as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties and tens. So he's, he's breaking it down into smaller groups where there's going to be someone that they can turn to to help them resolve their problems and disputes so that it's not all on Moses. He's going to... He's going to delegate to men of truth, to men who fear God. Let them judge the people at all times, and let it be that every major dispute they will bring to you, but every minor dispute they will themselves will judge. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing, and God so commands you, Jethro is really sensing that this is wisdom from God, the way that I interpret that. He's like saying, this. you know what, this is this is. This is God's commanding you to, to do this because what you're doing, you're, you're, you'll never make it. You can't keep up what you're doing. Then you'll be able to endure, and all these people also will go to their place in peace. He's like, you know what? It's going to be better for the people too. They must have had to wait a long time to, to hear have Moses hear their case with all the problems I'm sure there were in Israel. So Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose, <clears throat> excuse me, Abel men out of all of Israel, and made them heads over the people, leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and tens. They judged the people at all times, the difficult dispute they would bring to Moses, but every minor dispute they themselves would judge. Then Moses bade his father-in-law farewell, and he went his way into his own land. <clears throat> A couple things that I want to illustrate here is, one, seeking counsel. Uh, it is a great thing to seek counsel. Uh, who do you have in your life that you turn to? And you know, you you may not always even know that you need it. And sometimes you do. You might be like, you know what? I really need counsel. But sometimes we might be too confident just operating on our own and not receiving counsel. And if you have, you know, people in your life that have wisdom, and I'm sure you do, you know, Run stuff by them. Get some counsel. Get some wisdom. Uh, seek godly others. I mean, blessed is not the man who walks in the way of the wicked, but the one who 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 seeks counsel from the Lord. And, you know, kind of paraphrasing Psalm one, which is a great psalm. But you know, get counsel from godly people. You know, don't go and get counsel from the world, and you know, our worldliness, I should say. But pick men or women of God and. 
Ask, run by them some things you're thinking. Get counsel from people who may know better than you. That's a really healthy thing to do. And it can prevent a lot of problems in your life and, and bless your life because you can do things, you know, better, more efficiently, uh, more wisely because there's people around you who can help. So that's a, a great lesson right there is have godly people give you counsel. Okay. So that's uh, one thing that I want to say. The other thing I wanted to say is, you know, as an organization, as a church, and I would say even as a, like a family, you know, as it grows, there really needs to be some more shared responsibility in what needs to get done. And you actually wear yourself out and actually prevent the development of others by not getting others involved. And I think there's some, you know, benefit when you have like a large family, it probably gets to the place that I only had three kids, but you know, if let's say you have six or seven or eight kids, it gets to the point you can't, you just can't do it all. And now you need those kids to help. You need them to help do laundry. You need them to help do dishes. You need to help have them help clean the house. And you know who's really blessed in that is they are. They, I mean, first of all, the husband and wife are blessed in having the kids be part of what needs to get done at the home. So it's not all on mom or not all on dad. So that's a good thing. But also they're blessed because they're learning and they're learning responsibility. They're learning how to do things they haven't done. And, you know, I would say, you know, looking back, I mean, we could have did a much better job of this. And it, you know, I think with three, you can kind of get by and it's hard, but you can kind of get by just doing everything. And then, you know, you, you don't really learn the art of, of delegation and, in a way you're preventing, you know, you're preventing those kids then from, from learning. So, you know, uh, you know, our church has grown, you know, but as we grow more, Lord willing, I think there's going to probably even be more of enabling leaders to step up and lead people and groups and just greater organization that's going to be needed. So, uh, but I, I think, you know, the, one of the reasons I bring it to the family is how does this apply to you? How does this apply to you that's listening? And most of you, you know, maybe your family's out of the house now. But even even so, you can maybe train your kids maybe to do it differently than what you did, you know. And I, I think one of the, the, the important things in, in doing this is doing it young. I mean, if I could go back right now and... I would say, man, as soon as you can get those kids helping, ingrain in them at a very early age that they are to help with getting things done around the house so that it's not like you waited and then all of a sudden they're middle schoolers or teenagers and you're like, now you got to do it yourself and they're maybe already obstinate towards it. I would do it when they're five, when they're four, when they're six. Just have them do little things and say it's chore time and make that like part of life. So I think that's one way. So there's counsel, (laughs) just like Jethro gave counsel, there's counsel uh, and there's counsel in delegation and, and in raise raising up leaders. So, uh, you know, think about how this could be uh, applied to your life. And, you know, this is a great reminder for me as, as uh, you know, our church moves forward. How can I apply these great principles 
from Jethro uh, into my own leadership and in my own church. But, you know, in this particular passage, we saw this particular advice regarding the delegation. But the first part that I talked to you about already, as far as the council, that doesn't have to apply to the delegation. That could apply to anything. Where do you need counsel? Is it in your marriage? Is it in your job? Is it in maybe managing your house? Manage, you know, maybe it's in conflict. Maybe what is, where is it that you need counsel? And don't hesitate to turn to a man or woman of God who's got maturity and wisdom. And you know what? That'll bless you and it'll, it'll make your life better, easier, because you'll do it the right way a lot sooner. And Jethro was right. Moses listened. And I think Israel and Moses was blessed by the council and by him heeding that council. May we get it in our own lives. God bless you all.